five o'clock somewhere. Hello, welcome to It's Five O'clock Somewhere, a podcast about the perfect drink for every occasion. We are your hosts. I'm Helen Chang. No, I'm not related to David Chang, but we do share the same passion towards food. I'm a strategy consultant based in New York City, but most importantly, I'm an aspiring food and wine critic. And I'm your co-host, Sherry Zhang. I'm a photographer based in Sydney. And no, I wasn't named after the wine, but I do love a good drink. So Helen and I, we met years back in Tokyo and we bonded over our love for food and drink, but most importantly, drink. And so much that we made a podcast out of it. Okay, and so now we are at episode three. And today we'll start a little mini series on natural wine, which is something that the beverage that Helen and I probably drink the most together when we go out. In this mini series, we'll have episodes that cover topics like what is natural wine, what classifies as natural wine, why drink natural wine. It's a term that is being thrown around a lot these days. And we'll have this every couple of episodes just so you can learn along with us. And so what are we going to start with? I guess just to briefly introduce our natural wine series, we are going to talk about different topics around natural wine, ranging from, you know, how we get into the world of natural wine to kind of how do you define like, what exactly is natural wine mm. and complications involved during the production process. Um, hopefully it will be a very interesting topic and we're definitely not the expert for natural wine. It's just on the learnings we have along our way and as well as how kind of our jobs in different fields have helped us understand the natural wine industry a little bit better. Right. And I think natural wine people have got to be the most forgiving people. Uh, they're like the most funky. So even if we get something wrong, I'm sure it's not that big of a deal. But um, I think it would be a good place to start if we just talked about like what the hell is natural wine like aren't grapes natural yeah i think a very common definition of natural wine is put any sulfide in the wine so essentially i guess more traditionally people put sulfide in the wine in order to preserve the wine quality especially for the more modern approach to winemaking the amount of sulfide you put in wine itself, it's so much more than before. And an argument people typically have is that sulfide is the cause of, you know, allergy and, you know, all the headaches you have. When mm. you, that's not really true because if you're not allergic to, say, eating dry food, then you're probably not allergic to sulfide. But there is this argument around how sulfide as the kind of materials you use to, for making mum, mummies. When you're drinking a wine with sulfides, you typically don't feel that liveliness within the wine. Mm. If you drink wine without sulfides, you'll feel it's much more vibrant, energetic. There are different definitions of natural wine. It can range from just purely being sustainable to be 
organic to be no additives added in the wine or being biodynamic or just moreover just being very natural as a no chemicals added in the wine at all right there's even like vegan wine too and that really makes me question what i've been drinking up until now if it's not vegan but without going into like the tiny little categories today i think my definition of what a natural wine is probably not reading the label obviously the label is always a dead giveaway because it's always super fun but usually the color is super interesting it's funky and like you said a bit of like really lively and oftentimes like it doesn't leave you with a bad hangover or a headache because of the lack of sulfites or chemicals that that is added in the there are tons of reasons why uh, people like drinking this genre of natural wine. Yes. yes. So today <laughs> we are going to talk about how we encounter natural wine and really what motivated us to begin trying different types of natural wine and explore our own preferences um, within this world. So Sherry, what what is the first natural wine you ever try and what was your impression on it? Hmm. Honestly, I've tried to think about when the very first experience was and it could have been at a wine tasting thing with you, but I don't remember the wine at all. But the first uh, natural wine that really left an impression on me um, can't even give you the name, but it's an Italian natural wine, I think, from Puglia. Puglia? Anyway, um, a lot of good stuff comes from that. And it was this just beautiful orange wine, and the color was the first thing that caught my attention. And the funk, I mean, I now I understand. I, I really like funky, kind of like almost like stinky cheese kind of natural wines um but this one was just so interesting and you know natural wines can taste like anything from fruit and berries and like you know more typical stuff to yogurt and uh what are other words that people use like minerals and less edible sounding things and that one i mean i still look out for it to this day that one left a really good impression on me. In contrast, my first natural wine experience was in Tokyo at Retali Paradisco Japan, which is actually a restaurant coming from Australia. I was super excited because they have really good scampi pasta mm. and pretty wide variety of wines. Their tiramisu is bomb. It's so good. I still think about it. Yes. I, yes, even today, I'm like, their scampi pasta and tiramisu was so good. Yeah, and I think partially what mo really motivated me for trying natural wines was because some of my favorite chefs in Japan are big fans of um, natural wine. So the owner of uh, La Effervescence, Namae-san, Shinobu. Namae-san, yeah, Shinobu. 
Namais, uh, he's a big advocate for natural wines. Mm. Whenever I check his Instagram, he's always raving about, you know, the orange wines he tried, all the like, Austrian wines. At the time, I was like, you know, this is something I want to try. I want to have a palate that's as sophisticated as a chef. Um, so when I went to the Fratelli Paradisco in Japan, in Tokyo, I ordered a orange wine that I don't really remember which wine I ordered, but all I remember was I had such a bad impression of orange wine. I thought it was too tangy. It was too acidic. I feel like there's no flavor profiles to the wine I tried just besides just being sour. And I thought, how can you pair this drink with food and why would a chef rave about very disgusting you know orange wine and i remember at the time i probably made a statement to sherry i was like there's no way i'm going to drink orange wine ever in my whole life so that's my first experience of natural wine yeah um because even at, the, at that point we were like what in our very early 20s and you were the only one around me who I think actually knew about wine and a lot about like traditional, really good European wine. And probably one of the things that attracted me to natural wine, especially going to places like uh, Fratelli Paradiso, which is Australian, obviously they carry a lot of Australian wines. I wanted to know more about Australian wines. And this category of like Australian natural wines really jumped out at me after the really good experience with Italian wines. And I'm like, I felt like a sense of pride that I could explore it. But I, before I talk about Australia, I think it's really interesting that we talk about natural wine and, and like the movement, the culture around drinking natural wine in Japan. And there are some Japanese natural wine producers uh, like Grape Republic, or there's even some in Western Japan now. Um, one of my favorite ones, I just <laughs> slips my mind right now, but I will, I will touch it up later. But there is like almost any bar or bistro you go to, um, it's pretty common to, to see natural wine on the menu, like in New York. Typically, when you think about Japanese wines, there are two types. The first one is the very, very sweet red and white wine that's almost grape juice-like, but with a teeny tap of alcohol in it. The other ones that you are going to encounter will be the very pure um, wine that goes really well with Japanese food that you know needs that kind of purity to balance off with the delicacy of the food. When we um, visited Koshu, one of our favorite Japanese white wine is Grace Wine. And that's the typical feature you will find from those wines. So it's interesting how um, there are winemakers in Japan that's exploring a very different routes. Mm, I mean, definitely got to say, not an expert on Japanese wines. But we visited Koshu, what, is that Yamagata? Yamagata in like... I don't know, probably five years ago, some, somewhere around then. And that was the first time I was really trying Japanese wines with you. And I remembered you, you cautioned me, like you um, introduced it to me, telling me 
it's not quite the same as European wines we've tried before, and it's quite like savory, it's quite minerally. But when you mean um, it's quite pure, it's like very clean tasting. Even if it's savory, it's kind of clean. And it's changed a lot. I would, I would say like in the last five years since then trying different wines coming out of Japan, like it's moved from that very savory mineral taste to like, I mean, Grape Republic is just like funky and like, you know, like raspberries and really interesting. The bars, the natural wine drinking scene is super interesting. And maybe we can just like reminisce about like some of our favorite spots. I think my favorite spot in Tokyo for natural wine was um, after I moved to New York. Oh, wait. I was in New Haven. After I moved to New Haven, I went back to Tokyo and we went to a place called Kiki. Mm. A lot of natural wine selection and then all the food they make, it's kind of a fusion between Japanese food and French food. Mm-hmm. So they totally use the local ingredients, but sometimes use like the Western or the French techniques to prepare their food. So really highlighting the beauty of the local ingredients and pair it with natural wines. I remember we had this like crazily good um, steamed egg with Pete, like Japanese. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That yeah. was like something that I still really miss today. And I desperately just want to go back to Tokyo for that one appetizer. I've, I've been only twice, once with you and the second time with a, a friend who was actually working there. And so that was, that was amazing as well. But the chef is really into incorporating a lot of fruit into their food. And so it's super fresh. And fruit and natural wine, I think, is always going to be, like, it's always going to work. And especially each time we went, it was summer. And so you'd get, like, the really juicy, sweet peaches that you can find in Japan. Or you've got, like, cherries and, like, just flavors that you can't really, and sweetness that you can't really find uh, overseas. I'm glad that you like that one. I your like what is your favorite place for a natural wine? I mean Kiki's is great. Uh this is tough. Okay, the, um <laughs> this is really tough because I want to talk about so many of them because not just the wine is great, like the atmosphere is really good and you know it's got a couple of seats. There's I mean that's typical of a lot of places in Japan, but I would say there was one called Flow, Wine Shop Flow. And I went there more to buy bottles than to like have a drink. Um, but it was in the Hatagaya neighborhood called Nishihara. And I used to live there. I, that was where I lived last for like two years. And they had just opened up when I moved there. And it's this beautiful, like it's all wood and it smells like I don't know what what type of wood it's made of. It smells just like a Japanese forest. Um, and it's halfway underground, it's like a half basement. And at the back, uh, they've got this one room like cellar. And so the whole space is very kept really cool because natural wine um, needs to be stored very carefully. And when you open it, you can only drink it for like three, four days before it 
starts to go bad. But everything I got from there, any bottle, it doesn't matter how cheap or how expensive, it would always be like super funky, super interesting. They carried mostly like French and Italian, um, but towards the end of the two years I was there, they got some like Australian, they got a lot more Japanese wines. Um, they also did a few like beers as well. And one of the owners is like a musician and a DJ, and he would just have like amazing music. He would have amazing wine in this beautiful space, beautifully designed space. And they also cook a little bit of food there too. You've got to go there. I don't, I don't think I, I went there with you because it was so recent. I, I've never been to that place with you, but it's interesting how when people describe a really good wine experience, it's never about the wine itself. It always goes way beyond that. It's about who you're drinking the wine with, where you're drinking the wine, and what you're pairing it with. What does the atmosphere look like or feel like? It's the entire package that makes you remember this particular wine that ha also happens to be amazing. It's like a plug for our own show. <laughs> this is why we're doing this show because there's so many um, factors to not just to drinking the wine, not just um, the wine itself, but definitely like the good experience as like another good memory is more recent with you when we went to uh, Estella. Um, I don't even remember the exact wine that we had. I think we, we had a few cocktails as well. But I just remember like the bartender, as soon as he came in, he'd be like, you know, sit down, what can I get you? Um, there's no like pressure. It feels like you're walking into, you know, yeah. someone's kitchen, um, their, their home, and they're welcoming you with a drink. I think that's service is has such a big impact for me yeah I, I remember you tried different types of white wine and one of them was from that italian place like ca you remember the ah uh, yeah cal cal curious yeah i think that's where you ordered that one huh. yeah i think my kind of best experience of natural wine or the one that really changed my mind was two places. Um, one was when we were at Contrast um, together. Yeah. And Sherry paid for my dinner. So maybe that <laughs> everything as well. Um, Wait, we went to Contra, not Wildair. We went to Contra, not okay. Wildair. We had the course. Um, and I remember the entire course was paired with natural wine. They have really good natural wine selection, by the way. I can talk about it later uh, on. There was a, didn't, wasn't there a sparkling sake at some point? Yes, there was sparkling sake. But what I'm going to talk about is that booth that we had uh, yeah. with um, the dessert that absolutely changed my entire life about yeah. natural wine and just vermouth. It changed me. It changed me as well. Yeah, I never had vermouth on its own ever in my life. And then when I drank it, initially I was like, you know, I don't understand what I'm drinking it. What is this? Well, this looks weird. But when I drank it, it was so complicated, so peppery, smoky, but at the same time sweet. 
And I remember when we were preparing for our pop-up, we also bought a couple bottles for our pop-up events. And afterwards, when we have leftover bottles, I, I carry it as a baby for the after parties. And I didn't want to pour it for other people because I was like, this is for me. This is not for other people. I want to drink it all. Um, I still talk about it today. And the fact, like, I thought it, maybe I haven't looked into it. I'm sure it's very well known, but every single time I've mentioned it thereafter, like in Japan or even here in Australia recently, people will will be like, ah, oh, yes, news, of course. And I'm trying to, I'm really trying to get my hands on it again because it was amazing. But backing up a little bit, does that also count as natural wine? Vermouth. It is a natural wine. What is vermouth? Vermouth, it's a sweet wine that's also made from grapes. Okay, and it's got like a bunch of, uh, what do you call them? Like herbs in it. Yeah, definitely uh, we need to do an episode just on vermouth alone and about white vermouth because I had that recently and it blew my mind. Ooh, white vermouth. Yeah, definitely at that dinner. And mind you, the only reservation I could get that month was like 9 p.m. And we stayed in the same spot, the same seat, eating and drinking until probably midnight and we finished the drinks course and we just had to like add another cocktail or something I remember we added like a des- another dessert and added something to go along with it because it was so good that not not just about natural wine but that changed my uh, perspe- perception of uh, drink pairing. Absolutely. And I think the other natural wine that changed my mind was um, while we were preparing for our pop-up event. Um, And then Sherry went to Brooklyn and bought so many bottles from a wine shop and brought it to my apartment. And initially I was super skeptical because everything was natural wine. And based on a couple of bad experiences I had, so far, I was like, I'm not really comfortable comfortable in serving these wines. So the first bottle we popped open was this Italian natural wine called, hmm, I'm going to have a disclaimer. I don't know the right pronunciation. Please correct me if I'm wrong. But it's a wine called Sicel Grincanico from Sicilian. We'll definitely put links to the wines that we talked about, but that was an absolutely amazing orange wine that I ever tried. It's super dry, super soft, and it has this very strong citrus aroma and taste. So you can actually taste kind of the orange and lemon flavor from the wine. And on top of that, it's like this really, it's a little bit sweet, kind of like the honey flavor. And also there's like this apricot pear flavor to it. It's just absolutely amazing. It was definitely like honey. It looked like honey and it tasted like honey. And we had a budget for this uh, for this pop-up dinner. So obviously we were looking for wines that were closer to like 20 to $30 range. Just like pretty inexpensive uh, wines. Um, that one was smack bang like 25 or something it wasn't expensive and it was beautiful and what was it that we were trying it with uh, um i think we tried it with the cheese or fruit what was it 
I remember, I think we got um, Brie and Piers. Oh, yeah. It was so amazing. It was so interesting. I And we don't have much of like, we, we don't have a background in like creating pairing menus. Uh, but that one, that wine, we could just think of it as honey. So obviously yeah. honey and cheese and, and pears work, work wonderfully. Yeah, I think the initial rationale for pairing with the, I think it was like slightly funkier cheese as well, was because when you think about blue cheese, sometimes people put it with honey and it tastes absolutely amazing. And we thought when we have a wine that looks like a honey, it tastes like a honey, but with a tiny touch of, you know, citrus, pure aroma and flavor, it goes really well with those funky cheese. Turn out we are right. It was so good. It was amazing. But long story short, uh, we took that one bottle home to try. And then when we went back to the store, it was gone. It was gone. And like our pop-up dinner was like the following weekend, uh, following Friday. So that's another long journey. I'm still looking for it. Yeah. And it's interesting how when you think about the natural wine scenes in New York City, there are a lot of interesting wine shops that has like a great selection of natural wine. One of my favorite wine is People's Wine, which is also owned by Contra slash Wild Beer. It opened recently, right? Yeah, they opened recently. And partially why I kind of try, wanted to try that place was because whenever I go to Wild Air in Contra, their natural wine selection is never disappointing. So they have this high bar of choosing natural wines that's acceptable for all kinds of people. So mm-hmm. I remember the time when I went to Wild Air with a friend who was like super big on wine. She's like, I think she got all those like, you know, wine tasting certificates and she tried all those like expensive French wines before. And when we sit down in wild air and we look at the wine menu, she said, I don't, I don't understand any of the wines. And I was like, oh, probably that's because they're all natural wines. And she was like, oh, I don't really drink natural wine. I feel like they're all pretty crap. And then I was like, oh, um, do you still want to order wine? So when we talked to our waiter, we were like, you know, we don't want anything that's super funky. We are not a big natural wine people. Um, do you have any recommendation? And it turned out to be great. It was like wine from Spain or something. And then when my friend tried it, she was like, oh, wow, this is pretty amazing. It's like, it's not a wine that I typically associate with natural wine. So based on like couple experiences like that, it really makes me feel like if I go to people's wine, I'll probably find a natural wine I really like. Mm. And since the lockdown, they started to have this service where I send them an mess- uh, email saying, I'm looking for a summer wine or whatever. I'm looking for six bottles. This is my price range. And then on Friday or whatever delivery day, they'll send you a message saying, hey, these are the six bottles we chose for you. What do you think? So there's like this element of surprise as well. And when I receive all the wines from them, none of them has been disappointing at all. It has been a very um, delightful experience so far. I, I, I had 12 bottles already and none of them were like disappointing. 
It's, I mean, and I think I'm super easy to please. I'm easier to please than you are in terms of natural wine because I like the range of like funky stuff. And so it's a real compliment, I think, to uh, people's wine. The equivalent here would be drinks or not wasted. And there's a, like a bunch of other places, PNV in Sydney, um, but they're also delivery. I don't even know if they have a real physical store, but they rank their wines or they um, categorize their wines by like the feeling, like if you want something for like a park, like a picnic, or if you want something more summery or something more um, experimental, I really like the way they categorize their wine. It's super approachable for anyone. Yeah, and I think it's interesting how fun is a pretty important criteria when you're choosing wine. I think for especially for people who, like us, don't have a lot of knowledge about wine, the process of choosing wine can be too painful. Otherwise, we'll just get overwhelmed by, you know, the information, different labels. And when you look at a French wine, unless you are very aware of the tiers and all those like different regions, it's really hard to like, you look at a Chablis and you're like, oh, it's a Chablis, you should be good. But actually, depending on the winemaker, depending on, you know, what is a Grand Cru or whatever, the flavor is so different. But as a new younger person new to the space it's really hard to understand the complications within the typical european wines i think we've got to stop ourselves otherwise we'll end up talking about grape varieties and i think something else i want to talk about in the future is about like the different stories of how people got into natural wine making natural wine especially in australia there's a bunch of like young winemakers going into this new, well not new, but like this genre of, of wine. And I think it's fascinating. But I think that's a good place to uh, wrap up our backstory into like how we got into natural wine in the first place and, and why we love it so much.